0: Before we get started with our message this morning, I want to share something with you about our website and about the, um, the sermons and the Sunday School classes that are on the website. Um, you have an opportunity to go to the website and download and listen to any sermon or any Sunday School class. We have had the website up and doing this since 2015. And there are some interesting statistics that Angie has given me that we wanted to share with you um, concerning that. Since um, we began the website, we have had over 40,000 downloads of either a a sermon or a Sunday school class. We average 225, give or take, downloads a week. So that's pretty amazing in in my mind. And here is the breakdown of who is listening to us and where, all right? So it's broken down by percentage. Of all of the uh, 40,000 plus, give or take, 60, almost 70% of it have been downloaded in Japan. 31% here in the United States. Um, 3% in Germany. A little over 1% in France. A little over 1% in the United Kingdom, a little over 1% in Canada, 1% in Spain, and then under 1% in all of these different countries Nepal, Netherlands, India, South Africa, Hezemite, Kingdom of Jordan, Singapore, Australia, Philippines, Kenya, Malaysia, Jamaica, Ghana, Trinidad and Tobago, um, Uganda, China, Italy, and Colombia. Isn't that amazing? All all around the world. By city, um, Tokyo has the largest one, 8,350 downloads in the last handful of years in Tokyo. Um, In the last year, 3,654. The last six months, this is something that um, Angie felt, thought was really interesting, me too. In the last six months, we've seen a huge bump of, uh, there have been 1,089 downloads in Boardman, Oregon. In the last three months, 513 downloads in Boardman, Oregon. So, fascinating. So, what we're doing is, those of you who are listening, we'd really like to know why and how, and if you drop us a note um, by email to the website, we'd find that fascinating and very interesting. So, the Word of God is going around the world from Mariola Bible Church. So, that's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Open your Bibles with me to... Hebrews chapter 11, as we continue going through Hebrews chapter 11. Last week we looked at the first couple of verses. We wanted to make sure that we had a solid biblical understanding of this thing called faith that the writer is going to talk about in Hebrews chapter 11. Today then, we begin to explore the Old Testament samples that are given of how faith is practiced and living out living out in the lives of God's people. Now, I had planned to go through and cover a lot of chapter 11, and then as I went through it this morning, I finished going through it and said to myself, you'll never finish that. So we'll see how far we get and what we do this morning and and what goes on with this. But in chapter 11, we read what our faith is all about. Here's what faith is in chapter 11. Here's examples of faith from Old Testament saints who have been practicing faith their faith. Here is how faith sustains us during the battles of life with the Old Testament examples. And, and these are given, and they are incredibly wonderful. And so as we begin this, we're going to begin by looking at verse number four, and it, it begins by saying, by faith. By faith. A phrase that is repeated over and over and over again throughout this chapter, by faith, by faith. It is repeated some 19 times in this chapter, by faith. This thing, this thing that you believe, that, that you understand to be yours, that is described and defined in verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, by faith this person did this. By faith, this event took place by faith. It's like the writer says, okay, now that you understand it, now that you got it, now that you you can wrap your mind around this thing called faith, here's how faith has been used down through the ages. Here's how you can use faith in your life right now. That's what the writer wants us to understand. This is what you do as you live and as you practice. So, Let's read through this entire section, and then we'll come back and begin looking at it, beginning in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it men of old gained approval. By faith we understand the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony of, that he was righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith speaks, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive, even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore there was born even of one man, and him as good as dead at that, as many descendants as the stars of heaven in number, and innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau even regarding things to come. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. By faith. So, what happened by faith? Well, let's start with verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous, and God testifying about his gifts through faith. Though he is dead, he still speaks. Well, this is referring to Genesis chapter 4. Let's go back and look at it. Genesis chapter 4. so we read the we read the story of Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter 4 we just read by faith Abel did something in Hebrews chapter 11 pretty significant apparently because he's in Hebrews chapter 11 in Genesis chapter 4 beginning in verse 3 it says this so it came about in the course of time that Abel brought forth an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions and the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering but for Cain and for his offering he had no regard so Cain became very angry and his countenance fell then the Lord said to Cain why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen if you do well will not your countenance be lifted up and if you do not do well sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you but you must master it The implication in verse 3 is very simple, that God had given them instructions for life. So it came about in the course of time that God had laid out with them what needed to happen. God had told them how life was supposed to be, really had explained to them what they needed to be doing on a regular basis. The implication is that God told them how to live, God told them how to offer, God had told them how to sacrifice, God had explained to them what he expected of them. It says then that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Now let's make sure that we understand this right away. Is an offering of the fruit of the ground wrong? And the answer is no. The Old Testament regularly has examples of the fruit of the ground being made for an offering. Some of the the, um, offerings throughout the Old Testament, in fact, are laid out, and it says, this is what you should offer, and it was from the ground. So it's not wrong to give of the ground. But it says in verse 4, Abel on his part also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and And for his offering so the offerings are presented and one is accepted and one is not accepted well why is that well because we've just went through what we went through and because you trace through the Old Testament and find out that offerings of the ground are not wrong it is clear that this particular offering at this particular time was not to be a grain offering this offering was supposed to be a blood sacrifice offering where, where do you get that, Kent? It's because we understand that the offering itself is laid out in the Old Testament, but it says very clearly in this verse that the Lord had regard for his Abel and his offering, and for Cain, he did not. And later it said in here, that we'll look at it in a minute, if you do well, things will be fine. Cain did not follow God's words. Cain did what Cain wanted to do. The Bible is very clear here that it says that in verse 5 for Cain and his offering he had no regard he did not accept that offering now before we talk about the by faith thing I want to look at something that is incredibly important Cain became very angry and its countenance fell then the Lord said to Cain why are you angry why is your countenance fallen isn't that doesn't that describe us many times something goes on in life and we get angry our countenance has fallen we're not real happy with life Life is, 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 we're mad or we're upset or we're disappointed or whatever it is. And it would be like the Lord saying, well, what's the matter? Why is your countenance fallen? What, what seems to be the issue here with you right now? Well, you weren't nice to me, God. You didn't accept my offering. So, yeah, I'm a little irked right now. Yeah, that's, that's the bottom line. And, and God said this, if you do well, your countenance will be fine. In other words, you disobeyed. And the consequence of your disobeyments is you're not real happy with life right now. That's not my issue, Cain. That's your issue. It's a consequence of your actions is what God is saying. You know what? Sometimes the, the anger that we have, sometimes the frustration that we have, sometimes the disappointment that we have, sometimes when our countenance has fallen, it's because we've disobeyed God and we're convicted by it and the consequence is our emotions. Understand that. God gets a lot of blame for a lot of things that he didn't do. We've done it. We have failed to live by faith. We have failed to obey God. We get irked. Our countenance falls. Our emotions take over. All sorts of things go on. We're a lot like Cain. So, But let me, let me go on because this is important. He said, if you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do what you're supposed to do, you'll feel good about life and you'll feel good about me, Cain. Well, there's truth in that, isn't there? When we obey God, we feel good about life and we feel good about God, don't we? When we disobey God because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, we don't feel good about life and we don't feel good about God. Because we've just removed ourselves from the fellowship of God. And all of a sudden there's a problem. And so God simply says, if you'll do well, your countenance will be lifted up. But notice what he says. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you. What does that mean? If you do not do well, if you disobey me, sin is right there. It is crouching at your door and its desire is to attack you and rule over you and to create some problems in your life. Okay? Okay? But you must master it, God said. You must master it. Okay, this is an important truth that is established right away in Genesis. That if we do well, God is pleased. We feel good about God, we feel good about us, we feel good about life. If we don't do well, if we sin, we don't feel good about us, God is not pleased. We're not happy with God. We're not happy with life. All sorts of things go on at that point. And what's going on next is sin is waiting to take an advantage of that, an opportunity. Sin wants to jump on that and take us down a very bad road. But the Bible says you need to master that. You need to get a handle on that. You need to understand that that temptation does not have to be uh, turned into a sin. It's there. Watch out. Be aware of it. You, through the power of Christ in you, need to master that and walk away from that temptation and not allow your countenance, your emotions to take you down that path. Well, we know the story because what Cain did was he went out and he killed his brother, so apparently sin that was crouching at the door and its desire was for Cain, it got him, didn't it? And Cain made some pretty poor choices. All right. That's from Genesis chapter 4. So now you know the story. Now you know what happened. Now go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Okay? And it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Why was it better? Because it was the right one understand that why was it better because it was the right one okay this wasn't multiple choice God didn't say here are six different offerings pick the one you want and bring me an offering God did not do that apparently what it says here and we understand and we put all this together is God said I need a blood sacrifice by faith Abel said God has said we need a blood sacrifice. I'm going to go about the effort, and I'm going to take the animal, and I'm going to sacrifice the animal, and I'm going to prepare it properly, and I'm going to offer a blood sacrifice to God. Abel, in effect, said, well, if I I was to get a blood sacrifice, I'd have to go and get one. I'd have to maybe talk to Abel about that and do that and do what he wanted and get that sacrifice because, you know, I work with land. He works with animals. And so I think that what I'll do is I'll take the very best thing I have and I'll give it to God and it'll be fine. So what we have here is by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice through Cain through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. Why was he righteous? Because he did a righteous thing. He did a right thing. And when you as a follower of God, do a right thing, you are called righteous. You are righteous in Jesus Christ as a believer, but then as a believer, when you do a right thing, you've done a righteous act. You are acting in a righteous way. Abel was acting in a righteous way, and God is testifying about his gifts through faith. Though he is dead, he still speaks. What God is saying is, that's how you should approach me on a regular basis. Do the right thing. So what you have right off in this list and right off in the book of Genesis is you have one person saying, God said to do this, I'm going to do it. Okay. Now, let's just walk through this for a moment. What do you think is easier? Picking up a handful of grain and taking it to God and giving it to Him or going through an animal sacrifice and presenting it to God? I mean, one's pretty easy. The other one is kind of disgusting and hard. And Abel said, because God said that he wanted an animal sacrifice, I'm going to do it. A blood sacrifice, I'm going to do it. And Cain said, sacrifice is a sacrifice. It seems to me they're the same thing. It'll be fine. By faith or by your own reasoning. That's what's going on here. By faith or by your own reasoning. Cain thought it'll be just fine. And what God said is, that was not a righteous act. That was not the right thing. You did not do well by me. Now you're unhappy. Life is a mess. Sin is crouching at your door. There's some consequences here. That's what's going on. By faith, Abel offered to God. So what is this whole thing then? What is the great example here? It is simply this. I believe what you say, God, and I'm going to do what you tell me. That's it. Okay, we have just, in the very first example, we have just explained what is going on in chapter 11 over and over and over and over again. Every one of these people in Hebrews chapter 11 had a time when God said, this is what I want you to do. They had an opportunity then to weigh the words of God. They had an opportunity to decide, are these words that are from God, I guess first of all, are these words from God? Decide that. Then the next thing was, are these words from God that I am going to follow or not? If they then followed those words of God, the Bible says they were acting by faith. If they were not following the words of God, the Bible says they were not acting by faith. If they were following the words of God, they were acting in a righteous way. If they were not following the word of God, they were acting in an unrighteous or a sinful way. That's what Hebrews chapter 11 is about over and over and over again. It's really pretty much that simple. By faith. God said to do it this way, therefore I'm going to do it this way. And at the end of this, it says that even though he's dead, he's still teaching us. This is a lesson that was established in Genesis chapter 4 that has been followed throughout the entire Bible and throughout all of history up until this day and will continue until the Lord returns. Here it is. And, and, And Cain and Abel is a great, great example because they both offered a sacrifice. Okay? Follow that. They both offered a sacrifice. The issue that we think sometimes is that it's good enough with God. I'll give him the grain offering. I'll do it. I love God. I want to serve God. I'm going to give him the grain offering. Because after all, that's what I have. It's convenient. It's easy. It's there. It's my best. This grain offering is the best grain I've ever had. I want to give it to God. We walk away thinking, I've done what God has asked me to do, an offering. When what God said was, I want a blood offering. And then we're just like Cain. Well, God didn't accept my offering. God's mad at me. God's not pleased with me. God's a little irked with me right now. God's not blessing me right now. I did what God told me to do. Almost. You almost did. You did do an offering. You did the wrong offering. And God says, when you come to me, you need to do the things I tell you to do in the way I tell you to do them so that they're done the right way, so that you can live righteously. That's why we have the Bible. You see, if we could do what we wanted to do with God, how it seems best to us, simply... By our own reasoning and our own logic and by the help of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't have the Bible. We'd just say, hold on, I, I want to ponder this for a while. And the Holy Spirit, so I got this, and we just kind of do what we want to do. And God has said, I want to give you the Bible so you know exactly what you're supposed to do. You have the Holy Spirit now to confirm the, the Bible, and this is what you're supposed to do. Do it this way. That is living by faith. I have a choice before me. Am I going to do what God says? Or am I going to do what I think is best? That's our choice over and over and over again by faith. Well, we looked at chapter 5 or verse 5. We looked at verse 6 last week, so let's go to verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about the things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Well, let's go backwards again. Genesis chapter 6 now. Genesis chapter 6. So at the beginning of chapter 6, we see that God looks at mankind. There's all sorts of problems going on. Sin is out of control. It is absolutely running wild. And God has said that I am going to put an end to this. He says, I will blot out man that I have created from the face of the land. That's what he says he's going to do in verse 7. But in verse 8 it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. God decided to use Noah and his family as a type and as a model and example of what faith looks like and how faith can be used and to teach us about being preserved through one person like Jesus Christ in the flood here with the ark. And then he goes on to the records of the genealogy. Uh, In verse 11 it says the earth was corrupt. It was a bad place. God looked on the earth and it was corrupt and, and bad things were going on. So let's look at verse 13. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them and the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and shall cover it inside and outside with pitch. This is how you should make it. The length of the ark shall be... 300 cubits, and its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. And that's a tough thing for us to understand. You know, one cubic is about 18 inches. We know that and, and whatnot. This is a massive thing. Massive. Massive. Okay, this, this is about a football field, right? This is about a football field long. I forgot to do the exact measurement. This is huge. Right? And God comes to, to Noah, and he says, listen, I want you to, I want you to build this, this ark. And I, and I want it to be that long and I want it to be that high and I want it to be that wide. I want you to do that. But I want you to notice that he says make some rooms in it and make floors in it. Make a window in it. And, and then look what he says in verse 17. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh and which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I'm going to establish my covenant with you. Now we have every reason to believe that Noah had a great relationship with God up to this point, don't we? a great relationship. Absolutely. He was doing what God wanted him to do. He was living his life. He was doing the things that people have done since they were created, living and loving his family and working and providing and doing all those things. And God comes to him and says, you know what? Sin is so bad that I'm going to wipe out the earth. And I want you to build this massive boat. And I want you to build it exactly how I tell you to build it. And the reason I want you to build this massive boat is because I'm going to send rains and floods and the entire world's going to be underwater. And at that point, Noah had every right to say, what's rain? He'd never seen rain before. The Bible tells us that, that things were watered in a different way up to that point. The dew and God was taking care of things different way. What's a flood? Noah had never seen a flood before. We say the word flood, we have a picture of it immediately. We know exactly what a flood is. Noah didn't know what a flood was. There had never been a flood before. There had never been destruction before. Not like what was about to be seen. Never had those things gone on. And God said to Noah, I want you to build this massive boat. Why don't you start? You can use your sons. You can go to it. And the Bible explains to us that almost 100 years later, Noah's still at it. That's a really long time. And the Bible tells us that the world was a horrible place at that time. And the Bible tells us in the New Testament that Noah was a preacher of righteousness during that time. We never want to go crazy with things like this, but you can imagine what was going on as, as people came and talked to Noah. What are you doing? I'm building a boat. Why are you doing that? Well, because God said that I should. Why? Well, because it's going to rain and there's going to be a flood. He's going to destroy every living thing in the entire universe. Well, that gave him a lot of friends probably, right? What it gave him was a lot of conversation about Have you guys seen the thing that old Weird Noah's doing? How amazing is this? See, here's one that makes absolutely no sense at all. Build a boat. Get ready. Here's the reason why. Do what I want you to do. He got the building instructions. He was told about his family, he was told about his animals, he was told about all of these things. And in verse 22 it says, thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. Noah did exactly what God told him to do. And you know what that's called? Faith. That's what that's called. Faith. Did Noah have any reason to believe that it was going to rain? Did Noah have any reason to believe that there was going to be a flood? Did Noah have any reason to believe that all of humanity and all of the animals in the entire world was going to be covered with water and wiped out? Did he have any reason to believe that? No, except one. God told him. And so God had this conversation with Noah, and Noah said, You know what? I believe you, God. God. I want to practice my faith, I'll build the ark. And off he went, and for a hundred years, he was a preacher of righteousness. And he built that ark. And in Hebrews chapter 11, now go back there if you're not there, go back. By faith, Noah being warned by God. Now notice, notice all of these things being warned by God of things unseen. Noah didn't come to, excuse me, God didn't come to Noah and explain to him something was going to happen and Noah could go and check it out and look at it and say, yep, I've seen that. Other people have seen that. Yep, I know that's going to happen. Noah was warned about things that were unseen. And the Bible says in verse 7, in reverence he built the ark. Why are you building an ark? Because I love God and God said build an ark. In reverence. I'm not building an ark so that I can get brownie points. I'm not building an ark even so that I can be safe from the flood. I'm building an ark because I love God. I'm doing this in reverence. A benefit of building the ark was that I get to be saved. But I'm doing this because I love God. The Bible says that he did this in reverence. The Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness. He condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness. Right living. Doing what it is that God wanted him to do. And he became an example of righteousness. Why is that? Because of by faith. So the first example that we have is you need to make a choice. Are you going to do what God has laid out for you, or are you going to do what you think is best? You have the ability to do both. That's the the interesting thing with Cain and Abel. There's the offerings. Here it is. You have the ability to do either one. What are you going to do? Choose. Are you going to do it God's way or your way? You're going to do some sort of offering. You're going to do some sort of service. You're going to do some sort of religious duty. Are you going to do it God's way or your way? You have to choose. The second one that we come to is simply this. Are we going to follow God in the face of things that I just can't hardly believe because they're unseen and they seem amazing and possibly face ridicule and mockings and evil people around attacking me and yet continue to do the right thing because I love God and I live by faith? And those are our choices, aren't they? By faith, he obeyed God and he lived By faith. He lived by faith. The next one is Abraham and Sarah. Verses 8 through 12. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was received for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. So what is it that Abraham did? God came to Abraham, and he called Abraham, and he said, Abraham, I'd like you to leave the land of your fathers, and I'd like to... I'd like you to go and live there. And Abraham said, Okay, God, I'll do that. That was a way harder today, then than it was today. Way harder. You are walking away from your family. You are walking away from any kind of inheritance. You are walking away from ever knowing when your parents possibly die, when your family dies, how they're doing. You are walking away from everything that you have ever known, and you're going into a land where you have no family support, where you have no backing of a group of people together to do anything. You're going to go into a foreign place. I want you to do this, God, Abraham, will you do this? Yes, God, I will do that for you. The Bible says that by faith, when he was called, he obeyed. There's that word again, he obeyed. By going out to a place which he was received for an inheritance. In other words, God said, I want you to go to a place that I'm going to give you one day. God, can I have that deed up front? Nope, nope, nope. I want you to go there, and then we'll work out the details. It says, by faith, he did that. He didn't know where he was going, it says, in verse 8. Not knowing where he was going. Okay? If I was to say to you that, that tomorrow you have to move, and you are moving to a place... Ashton, Iowa. You are moving to a place called Ashton, Iowa. Well, absolutely, the first thing you do when you get home or when you get in the car or what you're going to do this very moment in that pew is you're going to look up Ashton, Iowa. And you're going to learn all about it through the wonder of the internet, aren't you? And you're going to know how many people live there and how much houses are there and what goes on there and where the schools are there. And you're going to find out all sorts of cool things about Ashton, Iowa, before you are even willing to consider obeying and going. Abraham, I want you to go there. And the Bible says he didn't know where he was going. And he did it. By faith. By faith. It says in verse 9, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise. You've got to understand the irony of that statement. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise. God said, this is your land, Abraham. You're going to be an alien there for a while. This is yours, but you're going to be an alien. That's where I want you to live. You're going to be a stranger. You're going to be an alien. You're not going to fit in. But yeah, that's your land. Okay? That's an amazing statement, isn't it? By faith... It says he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land. It, 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 it was foreign to him, it was totally different. God said, I'm going to give you this land, but you're right now, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. And he was dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. What is that idea? He was living in tents. Because, Kent, that's how people lived in that day, because they were old-fashioned. No, that's not how people lived in that day. No, they were not old-fashioned. They were incredibly smart people, and they lived in dwellings. He didn't live in a dwelling because, well, he was having to roam around because he was a foreigner in this land, and he didn't have a home yet. And God said, that's your land, but you're going to have to live like a foreigner. And, and, and back in that day, if you were a foreigner, what that meant was, no, you can't build a house there. That's not your property. No, no. No, that, that's our property. You're not part of us. No, you can't do that. We'll, we'll let you tent. We'll let you wander around, but no, you can't build anything there. Okay, that's what that meant. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob fellow heirs of the same promise. We will look at this next verse in detail down the road. For he was looking for the city which has foundation, whose architect and builder is God. You know what What Abraham said was, I am willing to go and live in a strange place, and I'm willing to live in tents, and I'm willing to have some discomfort for a little while because I recognize that God, one day I'm going to live with you, and I'm going to live in a city that has foundations, and you're going to build it, and you're going to give me a home, and so I'm willing to live like this for a while, knowing what that's going to be like down the road. By faith. By faith. By faith. So the very first one was, which one are you going to do? I believe you're going to offer a sacrifice. You know in your heart you're going to offer a sacrifice. You're going to do the sacrifice God wants. You're going to do the sacrifice you want. Which one? There's consequences for both of them. One is be very careful. Sin is crouching at your door. You, you, you haven't done what is pleasing to God, you're going to have some issues. The second one is, you're acting in righteous, righteousness and God is well pleased. The next one that we looked at was, this is a, something that is way out there, but I want you to do it. Yeah, I know I haven't explained it to you. Yeah, I understand you don't have all your facts yet, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to do this. I want you to act this way. I want you to behave this way. This is what I want you to do. I want you to do this for me. Are you willing to do this by faith? Noah said, yeah, because I know you, God. Because I trust you. Yes, I will do this in reverence because I know you. The next one was, Abraham, I want you to do something that really is going to be tough for you. I want you to leave everything you've known, everyone you've known. I want you to go to foreign land. I want you to live as a foreigner. That's going to be your land someday, but it's not going to quite happen yet. I want you to do that. I want you to go establish some things. Abraham, will you step out? Will you do this not knowing the full story? Will you establish your life as a foreigner, as an alien in this place, giving up all of this cool stuff where you belong? Will you do that? Yes, Lord, I'll do that because I know and love you. I will do that For you, that's exactly what I will do because of faith. Well, we are going to stop there this morning, but you need to you need to ponder some things about faith in your life. You need to you need to come to grips with what what, what about this thing faith in my life, and just use these three issues that we've done so far. And consider them and think about them and ponder them. Am I willing to do for God because I trust God far more than I trust myself or my surroundings or anything else? Am I willing to do this by faith? Oh, and by the way, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those seek Him. Leave this place and live by faith. Father, thanks for the word and for the examples of the Old Testament and for the challenges from the few that we've looked at. Grow us in our faith. Give us greater understanding of faith. Father, may we walk by faith, live by faith. May we be people who are declared righteous by You because we have acted in a faithful manner, that is, we have obeyed you. We know we need help. We know we need growth. We know we need you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.